Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is Patrick from the Poison Pen Bookstore in Scottsdale, Arizona. And thanks for joining us for another virtual event. And we're delighted to have our friend uh, Peter Lovesy with us this afternoon. He's going to be talking about the brand new, uh, the 21st uh, in the Peter Diamond series called Showstopper. And this is a copy of the book right here. This is the U.S. edition. And um, the U.K. will be coming out, as I understand it, in January. And we will be getting signed copies to the U.K. edition. So I'll put links to both of them in the comments field. And if you have questions for Peter, go ahead and put them in. And Barbara will bring me back on screen towards the end of the hour. I'd be happy to ask any questions. So, Barbara, over to you. Thank you very much, Patrick. Peter, what a pleasure to see you. I think we have to treasure our every opportunity as we are both becoming more senior, don't you? <laughs> I think we do, Barbara, yes. I'm afraid it's got to that time in life. <laughs> oh, it is. So there are many things that Peter and I can talk about, but let's talk first about The Last Detective, because I remember when Sarah Ann Freed, who was sadly now deceased, but... Uh, at Mysterious Press, when she bought The Last Detective and how excited she was, it's the first Peter Diamond mystery. And yes. um, I guess my question, Peter, is did you really expect that The Last Detective would turn into a 21-book series? <laughs> no, I don't think I would have given it that title if I if I'd thought it was going to go on to become a series. It was meant to be a one-off. It really was. Um, and if you can remember the, the story, towards the end of it, um, he got into a situation where he was uh, he was in trouble with, yeah. with the um, the assistant chief constable. I think he'd um, he'd injured a small boy, um, which, which you can't you can't injure children if you're a policeman. He pushed the boy against a radiator, and the boy was a bit of a nuisance. But um, and his mother, who was the the, the, the witness under suspicion was disappearing through the back of the house. So Diamond had to rush through the house, push the boy aside. Boy cracked his skull on the uh, on the radiator and, and um, ended up in hospital. Um, Diamond was being carpeted by the assistant chief constable for this. And there came a point when he, I felt as, a, as, as the writer, perhaps Diamond was telling me that he couldn't possibly um, just take this rebuke from the assistant chief constable he would have to be angry himself and storm out and resign and he did and he said resign from the police and uh, and uh, that was really the why partly why it was called the last detective but it was also the fact that he was a uh, he, he was rooted in the past a lot but um i, I didn't think that uh, it, it, it could possibly sort of go on and become a series it was never meant to be um and then it was picked up um, by various reviewers and liked, and it, it won the Anthony Award at the at the um, at the Boucher Con. And I was, I, I just wasn't expecting that. I didn't even attend the Boucher Con. I think I would have done if I'd realised that there was a chance that the book would really win win the award. And uh, um, and and then of course there was pressure from publishers um, to, to to write another one and. Uh, I, the, the second book that I wrote was, uh, um, had to be with Diamond out of the police. So it was one of those stories, which I don't like trying to do, where the, the policeman almost stumbles over a body and, uh, well, the, the, sorry, the, 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 the hero stumbles over a body and, and has to act as a kind of amateur detective. And Diamond was doing that. He had a, he had a job as a security man in, in Harrods department store. 
and he ended up in Japan. It was quite a convoluted plot. Um, and in my book three, I thought, I've got to get him back into the police. I can't, can't have this. I can't go on writing about him as a as an ordinary member of the public, um, because I don't think I don't think amateur detectives should work in the in the well as, as it was the, in the twentieth century as it was, um, and um, it, it, that, so I I wrote a book um, that that um, had him sort of it was called the summons, and it was a situation where the police needed him back almost more than he needed them, because it was it involved a, a sort of a cold case. Something had happened before with uh, with him, and he had to, uh, in a way, revive the case. And, and, and uh, the the uh, the assistant chief constable's daughter had been kidnapped, so Diamond was definitely needed, and very very urgently needed. So they sent a car for him to London, brought him all the way back to Bath, and um, told him the uh, the situation, and um, he got back into the police on his own terms and, and got his old job back. And after that, it did become a series. Well, you've had, you know, one of the hallmarks of this series, you've had some really interesting women in it. I mean, you know, Georgina, who is the current scourge of Diamond's life. Mm. Um, but you, she was not the assistant chief constable back at the outset, was she? No, she wasn't. It was a man, it was a man at the beginning. I think of his name. I can't remember. I, I, I don't remember these things too well now. It was about thirty years ago. <laughs> but um, yes, Georgina sort of came into the picture later, and I'm, I'm rather pleased that she did. She she because uh, she she's a good character. I think she's quite. A, she has quite a few battles with with Diamond, and um, uh, he doesn't always come out on top. Um, so it, so it's it's quite rather fun um, showing the the. Um, the, 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 the arguments between them and, and uh, wondering whether he's really, really going to get kicked out at this time. Um, but, but it hasn't happened up to now with Georgina. She's tolerated him just about, but hauled him off to headquarters to be to be reprimanded and everything else. And um, she, she finds him very tiresome in many ways. Well, it is unnerving to know that in Showstoppers, she suggests that it's time for Diamond to retire. Um, oh, yeah. That's a plot thread that we, we won't pursue. One of, the, one of the real joys, I think, of reading this series is all the different um, aspects of life and culture and so forth in Bath. I mean, we have explored any number. This one, we are in actually television and entertainment industry. That we have with literary figures, we have looked at music. We've looked at my one of my favorites is um, is the civil the, the British Civil War, not the the English Civil oh, War. Oh yes, I absolutely love Skeleton Hill, which remains one of my total favorites. And that one involved uh, a reenactment. Which, yes, you know, we in America tend to think that we're the only people who reenact the Civil War, but not true. So, you know, so Peter, obviously you've had a great time exploring. Uh, what was it like two books ago when you had the um, the skeleton um, that was dressed like um, Oh yes, Bonash. like Bonash, yes, that's right. right. And so it gave you a chance to really talk about, you know, the, the history of Bath as a spa and the pump room and, mm. you know, all that 18th century, um, because that, that was a, a big fad. Um, and I, I think that people, I mean, even the Romans were smart enough 
when they were in Britain to find hot springs because everybody was cold all the time and dirty and whatever. And Bath is blessed with hot springs and, and mineral hot springs, which tastes disgusting, but probably because I've actually drunk the water in Bath and I'm sure you have. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but you know, give give gives the appearance that it would be healthy and good for you, whereas mm. really it was probably just um, probably just a change in diet and so forth that made a lot of people yes. better. Mm. Not mm. not really the water, yeah. um, but anyway, Bath is a fascinating city. But I realized that while Peter Diamond is still there, and you've adjusted to changes in Bath, like closing the old police station and moving them to uh, oh yes 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 and that, yes that's right that 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 really irks him is uh he's moved out of the center of bath which he enjoyed very much uh, being in and uh that has to sort of um, commute in almost from from this this office out in the country where he is um uh, and that that things like that really happen so i try to reflect bath as it moves on I'm, i mean we had the empire hotel where I, I i set one in fact it was that book that i mentioned the summons the the um the, the kidnap story the kidnap victim was in the in the old empire hotel that's gone now and that's uh that that you know that's become something else entirely um it, the building is there but the use of the building is quite different and um so i yes i i i i enjoy setting books in Bath enormously. Um, I don't want the book, the, um, the books to appear like a sort of um, advert for, for the beauties of Bath all the time. So I, I'd give you the, the, the dark side and the bad side and things, bad things do sometimes happen there. Um, and the, if you walk behind the, the, um, these gracious um, Georgian buildings, you, you, you see that the, the, the the plumbing and the um, and, and and the stains on the wall and and everything else, um, and, and that sometimes gives me a, a, a chance to as a sort of image of, of Bath uh, to, to show that there is a there is a dark side as well. And, um, there, there's there are there are underground. There's a whole underground world in in Bath as well, of cellars and um, and routes through to places and, and so on that I've used once or twice in the, in the books. Well, it's not all Georgian elegance and it's not all Jane Austen, um, no. in, although we think of the Royal Crescent and so forth. In fact, was it either the last book or the book before you were in the Theatre Royal, I think, and actually oh, attended yeah. a performance at the Theatre Royal and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Is that still there? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. And, and yes, and I, I was lucky enough to be uh, invited to introduce the book from the stage. Um, so I stood on the stage and and um, I was able to point out features that I'd used yeah. in the in the book as I as I was talking about it, which was which was really nice, great privilege. So it was very good of them to do that. Um, but while I while I've known you, you when I think I, when I first met you, you actually lived in Bath, but then you moved to Chichester. Where was it you moved down? Yes, I was in Chichester on the south coast. Um, for, I was there for near, nearly 20 years. Right. So it's a long time ago that I was living in, in Bath or just near Bath. Um, but I, I, I love the place um, I, and um, enjoyed my, my days there very much. And I suppose I hanker a little bit for, for it all even now. Well, it, it, you know, two curses for Bath because of the physical condition, which 
involves a valley and so forth and the river Avon, it has mm -hmm. pollution, um, which is hard to dispel and it has traffic. So, but I'm really interested, Peter, why, why did you move to Shrewsbury, which is one of my favorite British cities, but I, oh. I was so surprised to discover you moved there. <laughs> well, we talked earlier at the beginning um, about old age, and it's it just old age that's moved me here because my, my son has uh, 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 married a Shrewsbury lady and, and we, and he's been here for some time and sort of knows it very well. So we, we have visited before and got to know it a little bit. But uh, as we got older, he said, you know, he thought it might be sensible if we moved a little closer to him. Um, and, and it's a very good thing that we did because he's been marvelous at taking us around places and, and, um, and doing the things that I don't always want to do in the way of driving and a little bit of shopping for us and, uh, and such like. Uh, um, so it's a great joy really to be near to family. Well, it is. Um, Shrewsbury, for those of you who might remember Ellis Peters and the Brother Cadville series, is where that was set, although medieval, and um, is distinguished by having the English Bridge on the east side and yes. the Welsh Bridge on the other. So it's in that border country between England and Wales, um, and, and a really remarkable city. I've spent quite a lot of time there, and in fact visited Ellis Peters' um, in the last days of her life with, she had the same editor that Peter had, uh, who acquired um, The Last Detective, named Stan Freed. And we oh. went to visit Edith. Um, and, and I took her books to sign that I managed to pick up from Headline on the way. And when I got there, she said to me, only you would come to visit me in a nursing home with books. Oh. <laughs> but it turned out, it turned out yeah. that it was really nice for her because the other, the other people there, she was cussing, uh, the other people there didn't know who she was or, you know, oh. that she was an author. So no. she, um, she had like, Fame engulfed her. Yes. You know? Oh, while you were there, almost. Yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, that's really nice. Just mm. the last time I saw her in person, I still treasure her letters. But I found Shrewsbury to be the Abbey, the famous Abbey where Brother Kedville does his now, mm. not that far from, isn't the railroad viaduct or something? I mean, it's it's not glamorous at all anymore, the side no. of the Abbey. No, no, that's right. I, I um, We had a visit. Um, this summer from my editor at Soho, Juliet Graves, and she's a great um, reader of, of the Cadfile books and asked if I would sort of take her to some of the places. So we went to, went, up, went along to the Abbey. It's only a, I, I live um, near the English Bridge. So and, okay. and that, that's really where the, where the Abbey is, or quite mm -hmm. close to there. So we went along and, um, and looked at things and saw there's a, there's a stained glass window there um, a, a modern one with a little cat file figure in, in it. You know, it. Reference there, we, we pointed that out, and uh, and we we looked at, at various things that were associated with the books that I I could remember. I, I have to confess that I I'm not a great reader and I'm not great great reader of anything. So I've never um, got through all of the cat file books. I've seen a little of the TV shows and enjoyed them very much. Um, we're not filmed in Shrewsbury, but somewhere mm -hmm. over, I'm trying to remember, it was Derek Jacobi became. Um, yes, Derek Jacobi, excellent. Mm. He's a wonderful, uh, anyway, it was not filmed in Shrewsbury. And if I remember right, um, is it the Severn? But anyway, the river makes a loop around Shrewsbury, which is why yes, there are these two bridges. 
it is yes. the shepherd, isn't it? Yes, oh yes, that's right. Yes, it's um, and, and uh, this time of the year, the river can get quite high and quite dangerous for flooding. So you, you watch out. But there's, a, there's some lovely, lovely walks by the river, and Jackson and I go along there and uh, enjoy, you know, feeding the feeding the ducks and swans and all those things. Oh, I'm bringing it up in part because I really miss I really miss Peter's editor who acquired this series. She was a very dear friend and. Yes. I um, but but also, you know, every once in a while, I think if Diamond actually has to move away from Bath or gets a case or something, I'd like him to go to Shrewsbury because oh, right. well, uh, I, I, there are not enough I, books set in Shrewsbury anymore. Now you're giving me ideas. Perhaps I, perhaps I perhaps can so. contrive something. I hope so. Maybe it, yeah. No. <laughs> and, you know, even though a policeman in theory can only be a policeman where he has authority, I don't know that a vacationing Peter Diamond, because after all, he has now um, Paloma, who um, you know is into fashion and all sorts of things. I can yeah. I can see that they might vacation if Diamond were ever to do that somewhere near Shrewsbury mm -hmm. and get involved in. Yes, yeah, so that's right, and I think you know that it may well be that he was needed for for you know a case that um, sort of somehow bridge the two places bath and, and shrewsbury somebody you know a suspect who was uh, who was part of the time up, up here I, th I think i did something like that in um, when i was living in chichester i i brought uh, brought him down to chichester and he was there for a for a short while in one of the books he was yeah absolutely and speaking of paloma one of the things you did which i thought was fairly brave is that diamond was married when we met him he um, mm. Um, he married a bit late in life, and his wife had been married previously and had what is it? One child? Is it one? Just one child? I'm trying to remember. No, no, they did. They were childless. She was childless. She didn't have. I thought for some didn't reason. Have a child. She no, she had a. She 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 had a very difficult time and and had a hysterectomy and um, and and uh, so she was unable to have any any children and um, and, and it was a, quite a sort of regret. Um, to her and to Diamond. Which you mentioned in the book, but yes, but yes. In, in the course of this series, his, his wife, Diamond's wife, is murdered and Diamond winds up investigating the murder, which is mm. why now he has Paloma, um, yes. with whom he lives but is not married to, and they have a, an interesting relationship. Did you decide yes. that it would be better for them not to be married, but to have the possibility of fracture all, always present? Yes, he was deeply in love um, with his with his first wife, with Stephanie, um, and and I, I think it, I think it would be wrong somehow for him to be to be linked matrimonially with anybody else. Um, but um, she Paloma has been a good, very good companion to him and with him, and and they 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 have a a, a, a relationship. Um, a love affair, you'd call it, but but um, I think he would still stop short of, of um, tying the knot. Well, I thought it was very brave of you to murder a major character. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of unusual. Um, yeah, I'm glad you take that, that take that point of view because many of my readers, you know, write to me and tell me the opposite. Tell me how could you possibly do that? Um, I, I really I really like that character. You know, she was Stephanie was was great and was good for him and. How could you do that, Peter? But but the reason I 
did it was that I, 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 the books were coming, becoming just a little bit too cozy and predictable, I felt. Um, I don't know how many I'd, I'd, I'd written with them um, before that happened, probably only, probably about half a dozen or so. Um, and um, I just sort of felt he needed a huge challenge in his life. Right. Uh, and he, he did, he had it. And, and it was a great shock, and it, but it formed the, the, the basis of a, um, a, of a, of a novel. Um, she, she was, it doesn't give too much away to say that she was murdered in the first chapter of the, uh, of the book. And, um, and then he was supposed to be barred, of course, from, from investigating the, the death of his own wife. But um, knowing Diamond, he sort of ha had to find a way and, and eventually it, it, it becomes his case. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, it was a big shake up for him, but it, it somehow it freed me um, to do more things with the, with the character. And um, I, I, even at that time, I didn't suspect that it would go on to be more than 20 books, um, but, but it has. You had written one previous series, um, that Wobble to Death, you know, your Victorian series, because yeah. there were, I'm trying to remember, six, seven, how many? Oh, crib. There were eight of them. Eight, mm. okay. Mm. Um, but then you've written a lot of standalones, which have been wonderful. Um, so, yeah. and you, you've written, all, while you've been writing Diamond, haven't you written two or three, at least? Um, I know Sergeant Cribb was the first, and Peter Diamond here. You wrote yes. a couple of books about Hen Mellon. I remember The Circle, which I particularly liked. Yes, and yes. Ages ago, you wrote three books with Bertie, Prince of Wales, who was actually mm -hmm. Edward VII, Albert That's Edward, right. Victoria's son. And I yeah. really enjoyed those, but um, those, those were from a long time ago. Oh, they were, yes. I, I wouldn't like to date them, but um, certainly before I started this series. So, you've um, also, yeah, you've also written a lot of short stories too. Um, oh, yeah. Right. So, you know, short stories, I think, are, are, I'm always interested that a novelist can write short stories because they're so different. Do you have to adopt a different, um, you know, mindset or how do you go about? I don't think so. From, yeah, there, there are some things, some ideas that, that, that you know that you like, but you, but you know could never be expanded into, into a, a book, book novel form. Um, but they can, they, they just sort of fit into a, a short story and very often that's, that's the way I go. Um, I, I know I enjoy writing short stories. If I could, if I could make a living at it, I would. Yeah. Um, but I don't, but unfortunately, well, as you know, they, they don't sell quite so well as, as novels, particularly novels in the series. So uh, I, I don't think I can take that chance even at this stage of <laughs> giving up writing nothing but short stories. Although I, I maybe, uh, maybe in my dotage, I will. <laughs> well, I've known Peter for 32 years. We actually met at Agatha Christie's Centenary in Torquay when I was lucky enough to be seated at a table with Peter and um, it was uh, Harry Keating and Sheila and you and Jax oh, yes. and Rob, I'm trying to remember, he's, we, he's left now. And Robert Barnum, 
Robert Rose. Berner and his wife, and then Robert Richardson. There we go. Um, oh, yeah. Little did I know that I was basically being seated as a kindness to a brand new sort of member of the Crime Writers Association with these giants of uh, all go on. <laughs> oh no, it was you know I had no idea how lucky I was, but it turned out I was. And I just wrote Peter. I wrote the last chapter, or um, and brought in a few other authors in Bloomsbury's uh, Agatha Christie Handbook, which is a um, an academic publication at an exorbitant price. But yes. um, but I I kept souvenirs of all of that weekend. Do you remember in Troy they had a play, they had a flower festival. Yes. We went to visit Greenways and. Um, Oh, what's her name? It'll come to me in a minute. Was the chairman, Catherine Eard, was chairman oh, of yes. the Crime Writers Association, and Matthew Pritchard and his wife showed up. And, yes. you know, um, anyway, I kept all that. So I was able to write kind of a long essay about meeting you and the other oh, authors yes. and, oh, and dancing yes. with David Suchet, which oh, I still yes. I know. It was so much fun wearing my old dress yes. when I go grocery shopping in because it was the only dress I had with a long skirt. And here's an unfair thing. Men can go out and rent formal wear practically anywhere. Women don't get to do that. You're stuck with whatever wardrobe you've got. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. No, I, I, I wouldn't wear that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we've known each other for 32 years. And I think Dan Peter has a naturally criminal mind because he is so good at coming up with plots. But not only that, he's really an ace at coming up with these wicked twists at the end, which in fact he does in Showstopper. <laughs> and it's a sorrow to me that I can't tell you what actually happens. But you know, you really do love diverting the reader's attention only yeah. to smack them at the end with a real surprise. Does that something you have to plot out ahead of time, Peter, or does it just sort of come naturally to you? How do you do that? Uh, just, yes, some of the, some of the twists uh, are, are thought about bef beforehand. And before I write a book, I, I think it through pretty carefully. Um, and, and the major um, surprises, I, I've probably thought about, but then other others will occur as I'm going as I'm writing it. Um, I don't work in drafts. I, I just write write the book chapter by chapter, sl slowly, very very slowly. Um, uh, but uh, when I leave the chapter, chapter one, and move on to chapter two. Chapter one is largely what it will become in the in the book itself. So there are not many changes that are made. Um, and for that way of writing, you, I'm, you know, I'm one of those sort of plotter people. You, you really have to um, think it through. <laughs> when I started, I used to write a synopsis um, of, of about perhaps 18 pages or so, chapter by chapter, um, so that I was clear in my mind um, what was going on. Um, and, and the, the synopsis got shorter and shorter as I moved on and got more confident. And, and now I, I have it in my head. Um, I, I mean, I'll make a few notes when I'm thinking about it. It may take me three or four months to work that, work the plot through. Um, 
And um, that's my method. It's, it's, I've often been on panels with other writers who say, how could you do that? I find it so boring, you know, knowing what's going to happen. I like the excitement of, uh, of, of having the blank screen in front of me and thinking, oh, I've got something different on here. But, but it's, it's not my way. I, um, it, it's, my way is, is the boring way of, of knowing it all beforehand. But, but the pleasure then is putting, putting the words together and the sentences and, um, in the right way, in the way that I, I think will um, entertain the reader. Well, reading your books, I've always thought you were a plotter because the plots are so intricate. It would be really difficult, I think, to make it up as you go along. But I still, and you just said, you still must have some surprising moments when, you know, even though you're progressing in an orderly fashion through the book, that something will come up that doesn't necessarily break up that skeleton that you've created, but nonetheless yeah. adds surprise. You've said it beautifully. Barbara, it, it, it is exactly that. And, and sometimes a, a, a character who is, was a minor character suddenly is given a major thing to do in the story and becomes a much more important figure in the, in, in the book. So that, that, that can happen as I'm going along too. And I enjoy it when it does happen. Well, I'm sure you do. Um, I mean, you know, every book has a life of its own and the characters in it. And, mm, you know, yeah. I mean, I always think of authors. I was taking a walk with an author today who was staying with me and someplace in the conversation, she suddenly stopped me and she said, you know, I'm really listening to most of what you're having to say, right? And I said, <laughs> yeah, but she said, I just thought of the last line of the book I'm working on oh. as we're walking along. And I thought, okay, so that's the writer's oh. truncated brain. Mm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Right. So let's talk about, you know, just for fun, let's talk about the book here for a little while. Um, and this time, the industry or culture or whatever you want to call it, the aspect of life that you are talking about relates to a hit TV show, which you mm. call Swift. Um, yes. And um, is that based upon any actual TV show that you've watched or is this one you just had fun making up? That's one I had fun making up. Um, I, I mean, I... I over the years, I've had a little bit to do with TV. I, I had a, that, that very first series, the Sergeant Crib series that you talked about, um, of eight Victorian stories. That was made into a, into a series, and, and uh, we did a second series for it. So I got, they were very good. They, they involved me as a scriptwriter with my wife, Jax, and, and um, we got out on location to various things and so I, I got to know a little bit about how it all works sat in the control room and, 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 and met the actors and, and 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 the other people the important people who make the make television work so I, I, I got a bit of bit of an idea there and, and um, I've had one or two little dabbles with TV since but um, I, I I'd never sort of quite got around to writing about it and I thought well I will and, I'll, and I must think of a a TV, probably, probably it's going to be a cop show. That, that and then I thought, oh, no, no, Diamond, it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be from the point of view of a successful criminal who is in a series who goes on from from show from episode to episode and never gets arrested. And, and Diamond would thoroughly disapprove and deplore that 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 kind of um, story. So so that's what he's faced with when he is called in to investigate. Um, a series of, of um, mishaps, 
um, that th some of them have seemed to be quite small and some are people disappearing and, and there's, there's a suspicion that um, somebody's actually been murdered um, as the plot develops. Um, but um, a newspaper takes on, local newspaper takes on the idea that um, there's a kind of um, uh, uh, sort of um, voodoo sort of twist, sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, um, a jinx. Jinx, yes, a jinx. There's a jinx on these characters and, 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 and um, on, on the whole television show. Uh, and Diamond doesn't have any sympathy with that at all. He doesn't believe in jinxes. He's not a superstitious man. Um, uh, until he, you know, has to get involved. He, first of all, he sends along his, his most junior copper uh, to investigate, um, saying, you know, this, this is something for you to do. I, I don't want anything to do with it. But um, then the, the, the young copper finds out that, uh, that there's far more going on than, than first appeared, and that the jinx um, might be something that is um, sort of quite being quite deliberately um, um, engineered by, by uh, one of the characters. So Diamond really has to get involved and, um, and, and then the disappearances um, turn out to be um, far worse than that. So uh, it, it's a murder plot in the end. Um, but I, I, I enjoy, you know, it's the usual oh. thing of Diamond getting thoroughly brassed off and annoyed about the whole the whole thing and, um, and and having to sort it out one way or another amen georgina actually orders him not to you know she's unhappy mm. with the whole thing and orders him not to do it you do show diamond as a mentor which i think is interesting you know he he's actually quite this is a this is a book in part about teamwork um i think in you know or he's He's valuing his own team and this young officer that he sends yeah. out. He's paying, you know, and that's kind of a different side of Diamond. But you also point out that it's a regret for him not to have children. So I guess those two things kind of tie mm -hmm. together, you know, that he sort yeah, of yeah. doesn't have a child of his own, but he has the chance to to mentor this. Uh, this yes. um, no, also, right. Yeah, the theater is, is you know, notoriously theater people notoriously superstitious i mean there's the scottish mm. play for example that kind of thing so it's not surprising that um as things are going wrong on the set of swift um that you know it's attributable to superstition or the players think it superstition also because people have a tendency to to work very short spells in you know it's not uncommon for somebody to walk off the job or get a better offer or whatever it all is so it's easy enough to disguise what's going on um and yeah you know, it, it makes a very mm, sorry no go I, was ahead. Say, I was going to say it makes a very good newspaper story as well the idea of the, the jinx and the, the, the series of, of, of accidents and misfortunes that have, that have happened um and it's the the press um pressure that finally forces uh, Georgina to, uh, to to act and tell Diamond that after all he's got to investigate um, because it's becoming a scandal and the and the press have you know got word that, um, that the police are interested and they want a result. Um, so 
it's that kind of pressure that, that she has to uh, um, um, subscribe to and, and, and Diamond is, uh, is back doing what he wants to do. Oh, yes, but of course, the specter that he might have to retire is hanging over him. So yes, in yes. some sense, you know, he, he goes ahead and contradicts her and um, disobeys her order or whatever mm. to investigate this case in part because he's so unnerved by, yeah. you know, the, the sort of quasi threat that she has issued about, you know, in that very British understated way, you know, have you thought about <laughs> retiring? which yes. is a lot different. Um, and I'm not, I don't know how it all works, but I'm not, you know, can a chief constable actually force him to retire? Oh, I think so. I think Kish, I mean, uh, uh, he's, uh, we, I, I don't say very clearly how old Diamond is, but, but um, and it, it doesn't matter too much. I mean, some, some authors, are, you know, very clear about their, their characters getting older as the books go on, but um, I've rather sort of, um, dodge that and, and haven't, haven't said what age he is lately but um, when you think that in the last detective I think he was he described as a middle-aged man and that was that was written about 30 years ago um, he, he, he's well past the real age of retirement the problem is that he's got this cat called Raffles who's been in who was originally Stephanie's cat and he's kept Raffles and uh, uh, Raffles sort of gets older but you can't kill a cat because the, this is one thing that the readers really will get get at you for. Um, you can kill off the wife, but not the cat. Um, right. So, so the Raffles, Raffles has to go yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've always assumed that, you know, that your books, I mean, the cases kind of start one after the other. One ends and the next one starts and time is all very fluid in this. And he hasn't really gotten that much older and you know Peter I think that readers are complicit in that I mean yeah. you know um if and, and look at the problem that Michael Connolly and Ian Rankin and the authors who have decided to age their characters in real time look mm. at the problem you run into when you're up in 20 books in a series or something yeah. and you know you've done that and you basically age your character out of an incredible ability to perform the job yes Yes, that's right. Exactly. Uh, um, so I duck it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm all for it. I'm delighted. I want, I want yeah. Diamond to go on being 56 forever. So. <laughs> okay. So one of the most, you know, in part, really annoying features of, of this book is that right in plain sight, you can see, I mean, when you get to the end, you see that some of the mechanism for what's happened in this it's been right there in front of you all along. Mm. So I do think that Peter is very, very good at misdirection, or if not misdirection, at least sort of cloaking, you know, whatever is going on. It seems so ordinary, but at the end, when everything slots together and you think, mm. ah. oh, it's <laughs> oh, kind of you to say so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, I think you do a masterful job with that and you have throughout, I think, all the Peter Diamonds is that, you know, you you are basically, you've been a member of the detection club the entire time I've known you. And, you know, there are rules um, about fair play and, you know, no doppelgangers and other stuff. And I, I think that you, you know, whether it's conscious or unconscious, you pretty much adhere to that throughout your career. Well, it's about, I hadn't thought about it really, but I, I suppose I do work within the rules. Yeah. yeah. No, I think you're fair with your reader. 
you know, when you get to the end, the reader can, as I did uh, when finishing Showstopper, can, you know, look back and say, ah, you know, that's why that was, I could have seen that, you know, whatever. And I'm sorry we can't talk about it, but you'd all be very cross if you're watching this and haven't yet read the book if we did. But um, I do think that, um, you know, that that is another of where excellent job. So is there going to be a Peter Diamond 22? Um, I'm working on it. Yes. Wow. Yes. I had a I had a good break um, after, after writing Showstopper, but uh, I'm about 100 pages into the next one. Excellent. So I, yes, we, 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 with a fair wind and, and, and favor, I, I, may, I, I may get that. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to hear that. I, I think any of you watching will know that Peter has won so many awards and so much recognition for his wonderful work at Diamond Dagger. I was there for that. And then I remember that when Bob Barner got his Diamond Dagger, his publisher sent his editor, Suzanne Kirk and me, um, to the ceremony to represent Scribner here in, in the US. So, um, and I was very happy that Bob, because, you know, after that, he, uh, his health deteriorated and yes. he wasn't able to continue writing and eventually died. But you really want to see people get an award like that when, you know, when yeah. they can enjoy it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a great friend uh, and uh, yeah. such a tragedy that he went. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, he was another absolutely amazing ability to to come up with twists and do stuff to, I'm trying to remember Scandal in Belgravia is one of my all-time favorite mysteries I just oh, yeah. you never really see it coming and it happens on the very last page almost in the penultimate sentence yep. <laughs> the entire book suddenly goes and you think oh that's what this was about all the way through he was yeah. a very clever man wasn't he it was and and a wonderful lecturer too. I I, I remember him speaking about the a Agatha Christie's yes. disappearance at, 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 um, at the conference at Torquay. I don't know it was that conference at Torquay where you were. It was yeah. whether it was a later one. We, we've had several there. We had one this year. I was there this summer back back at the hotel. And and but um, yeah, Bob was marvelous without an, without a note in front of him. Um, he held us uh, enthralled for for about forty minutes. Uh, it, uh, it was uh, it was an, uh, amazing and insightful and uh, yeah. Now, he, was, he was a stalwart at St Hilda's College, Oxford, which is also Val McDermott's alma mater, and they do a crime conference in August, which I was lucky enough yeah. to go to several times. And I remember Bob um, being active in that. And yes, he did almost always talk about. Agatha Christie, he was so, so good at that. Anyway, um, Patrick, why don't you come and join us and see if we have any comments or questions from the audience. I love it when Patrick, this is sort of magical, like some kind of stagecraft here. Very good. <laughs> Hello, Patrick. Hi, uh, let's see here, what do we have? Um, let's see, I uh, Phyllis says, I just picked up the false inspector due at a used bookstore. Uh, any stories behind the character? Oh well, um, yeah. It, it was that was one of the one-off books that that, that, that um, Barbara mentioned, and it, I was very lucky because it it won me um, the, the the gold dagger of the Crime Writers Association. So so it's a rather special book for me. Um, the the character the, the the one of the characters is a dentist. Um, and uh, I think I got the idea while I was sitting in a dentist chair 
um, it's just as well to be thinking of something else other than the the, the, the drill and the injections. Um, so so uh, that was the beginning, as far as I can remember, of, of that one. Um, and I wanted to set it in the. Um, it, 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 I was it, at that time. I, I was only confident enough to write um, period novels, sort of um, novels set in in well in the past. And I thought, well, this one I can do in a, in the period of sort of between the wars, just or just after the, um, the the First World War, um, and enjoyed writing it very much. Had a lot of fun with it. Let's see. What else do we have here? Um, okay, let's see. Who are some of your, who are some of the authors, you know, when you were just starting out that really inspired you um, as a crime writer? Oh, wow. When I was just starting out, um, Patricia Highsmith was one um, because she was so good at writing books from the criminal's point of view and, uh, and, and, uh, and allowing the criminal sometimes to get away with it and, and then move on to, an, to yet another book. And, and I thought that was, a, that was a great achievement. It was rare in those. She wasn't the first to do it, but it was rare. And so I, I certainly admired her. Conan Doyle, of course. The, the, I, I went through the, um, the Sherlock Holmes stories when I was a teenager. Uh, read them all and, um, and, and and got to know the whole Holmes thing very well. Um, uh, John Nixon Carr, um, mm. his wonderful plotting and and uh, again many he he was great master of the uh, the, the classics or period mystery uh, um, locked room so, mystery too, right? Yeah, locked room, locked room. Yes, that's right. Mm. Was yes, Red sorry. Hill a contemporary of yours? Who, sorry, who again? Was Reg Hill a contemporary yes, of yours? Yes, uh, yes. Um, yes, Reg Hill and Bob Barnard, who you mentioned, and I were all born in the same year, 1936. Um, and and um, yeah, we, we got along fine. We, we, I think we met originally at uh, conference. So I think I probably met Reg on, on, in America first. We, there was um, an international crime writers conference, which was um, organized by the Mystery Writers of America. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't a conference really for fans and readers, it was for, for writers. And uh, we, it was my first trip, it would have been 1976, I think, when I, and uh, Reg was on the trip. And I got to know him very well and Harry Keating and a few others I, I, I only knew as names. I'd, I'd read their books. Um, but, but uh, it was a great joy to uh, to link up with them and find out that, uh, that they were just ordinary people. <laughs> and, and, and Reg, the great wit, extremely amusing cap, um, yeah. company. I, I, I loved him. And, and, and Bob, too, is uh, just the same. It really could make you laugh. Reg Hill is another amazing plotter. I thought some of his books are so extraordinary. I saw yeah. Harper Collins recently has uh, reissued a Red Hill or two, but I would love it if I've talked to Martin Edwards, but you know, the British Library Crime Classics, which Poison Pen Press mm. began to publish here in the States, um, doesn't rarely wants to go past 1960. In fact, you have to sort of push. And I, yeah. think, about, I think about authors like Ridge 
and Bob and, you know, some of their astonishing work. And I'm hoping that, you know, at some point, maybe either the threshold of the British Library moves forward or somebody else will decide that the second half of the 20th century is now historical and worthy of classic publication because there are so many terrific works there. And, and Martin and the British Library have done a fabulous job reacquainting us with people in the 1930s and 40s who were not Allingham mm -hmm. and Sayers and Christie, yeah. um, but, but were really, you know, really fine writers and undoubtedly popular in their day. Do you remember mm -hmm. Mary Kelly? Did you, you wouldn't have been old enough, but Mary Kelly wrote a book called The, Spo the Spoilt Kill. Kill, yes. actually won the gold dagger i'm trying to remember over some major author in yes. 1960 so maybe that's yes. as far as they went uh, yes I, I i did know mary I, I met when i joined the detection club she, it was mary who was the secretary then she wrote oh. to me telling me that I, i'd been elected to, to the club and when I, when I got there, we, we shared the same um, editor, who was Lord Harding, who was George Harding, who, who was the, um, the crime editor at Macmillan. And um, Mary hadn't written a book for a long time. She, she didn't write very many. She, she probably wrote about five or so in, in, in her lifetime. Um, and um, George was always pursuing her to, to ask you know, whether she was working on the next one. And, uh, I remember she sort of hid behind me at one point while we were, while we were in the detective because George was bothering. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. <laughs> she, she knew that he was going to say, oh, have you how, You said last time you were working on a book, Mary. <laughs> and uh, yes, so she was always having to make excuses. But, yeah, but great right, beautiful writer. Yeah, she really was. And it takes place in Staffordshire and the Potteries, which is a fascinating part of England. But for those of you, you know, who are asking Peter, anyone asking Peter this question, you should look at the British Library crime classics and the ones that are perhaps post-war. Um, I, I think they've done some wonderful reprints of authors that Peter knew and that I read in real time because both of us are in our 80s, so we're old enough to have actually done that. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who aren't seniors, there's a wealth of things there for you to read. Mm. There are so many great, great writers that um, that have kind of fallen out of publication. Yeah. And I wonder if I wonder if Barbara maybe a, maybe a, a slightly different imprint, you know, like maybe the British Library Modern Crime Classics or something that would focus on some of those neglected writers maybe like bill, bill james is another one that would be great you know the harper and isles mm. histories the vaults yeah. harper collins which published agatha christie they had something called the collins crime club um and you know they have some astonishing books in their in their vault and also peter do you remember i'm sure you do galantz had um a wonderful crime line and remember they all had those sort of Brown yeah. jackets, um, yes. you know, sort of like the penguin, the penguin books with the green and the penguin glance and the yellow. Yeah, yeah. No, they were they were the um, HarperCollins and, and Galantz were were the main uh, publishers, I think, at the beginning when I when I started, and then yeah. uh, Macmillan started the crime list, and and um, I was fortunate in being being one of the first authors to um, to be published by them, you know, as a crime writer. Right. 
and they're still doing that. And of course, Harvard. Yes, yes. Well, it would be nice if, you know, if, if some, I mean, it's great that the British Library is doing this program, but the truth is some of the publishers have books in their vaults that they could unlock if yeah. they want to. And during the pandemic, Patrick can agree with me that we sold an astonishing amount of classic crime and other classics, haven't we, Patrick? Yeah, we have. We have. Mm. Mm, so it'd yeah. be kind of nice to think that maybe people got a taste for, you know, not just rushing out to buy the most contemporary new crime, although heaven forbid that they shouldn't rush out to <laughs> showstopper. We don't want to discourage them. But, um, you know, maybe it's possible for, um, for some of these authors whose books are still in the possession yeah. of their publisher to do something with them. I was going to say that it takes a real expert to to have discovered so many of these, these, these neglected books and 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 brought them into print. Martin Edwards has done a terrific job. He's uh, he's so well versed in the whole um, history of the of the crime novel, and has written several books or huge books about it. Um, but um, he's just the right man, and I'm so pleased that he, he's uh, editing that series for Me too. And he's a demon for work. He was an attorney or a solicitor. And when he retired, mm -hmm. he must, I think, you know, I don't know what his practice was like, but his idea of leisure time is so exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I really wonder what his workload was like when yeah. he was actually working. Wow. Yeah. Anything no. else? Uh, let's see, there's a question from Fred on YouTube. He asks, can I read Showstopper without reading all the previous Diamond novels? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I'd I, I like to write them in that way. And uh, no, you, you should be able to get straight into it and enjoy it, I hope. Yeah. But fortunately, all of the earlier Diamonds are in print from Soho Press. Um, and so if you're hooked on Showstopper, you can go back and read your way forward. <laughs> That's yes, about it for the questions that have come in. Wonderful. Well, Peter, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you and to read your absolutely wonderful books. So I'm thrilled to know that Diamond 22 is in progress. And um, you can see the difference. See, I'm holding up my advanced reading copy. And in this space, it says advanced uncopy edited edition, meaning if I read it and I stumble over something unfortunate, I'm supposed to just brush that <laughs> off because it's not a finished book. Patrick has the real cover and you can see that there's the, you know, the whatever they call them in, in uh, show business. Is it like a, what is it called? The movie board, show board? I can't remember. There's a name for that, that thing. Yeah, the, the clapperboard, yeah. The clapperboard, thank you. Yeah. Where they yeah. have, you know, information about the takes and all. So I think it's a very clever cover. Um, and Soho Press, thank you Soho Press has done a wonderful job producing Peter's books and keeping them in print. So um, we're grateful for that. Peter, let me wish you a very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas to you and Jack. And, Thank you, Barbara. Um, I, I really hope to get, to get back to, to England, maybe to the Harrogate Conference and, you know, detour over to St. Hilda's and well, detour up to Shrewsbury. It'd be wonderful to see you again. You must be. It would be great to see you. Thank you for this interview and for, for knowing so much about my career, reminding me of things that I'd forgotten. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure. Been, it's been a real pleasure. And I will send you the links to the video and the podcast that will appear tomorrow, probably. 
and I'll oh. send them to your publisher so that your fans can share those. Okay. Oh, it's been a All joy. Right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks so much Thank for you. your time. Bye. Hello. We hope you're enjoying our programs and podcasts with authors. We'd like to expand them, and your help would be appreciated. Please make a donation at poisonedpenfoundation.org. 100% of the proceeds will go to help connect authors with readers in this difficult time. Thank you.